Welcome back to the Getting It Done podcast, the podcast that looks at the lives, backgrounds and mindsets of people that make shit happen. Today we are sitting down with Loz, who is a doctor in Bristol who has direct experience of working with COVID-19 patients. We recorded this podcast over Zoom, as all future podcasts will be until I'm able to get back in the studio. So if there are any audio blips, please do bear that in mind and I'll um, keep trying to improve the audio as we progress through this interesting time. I'm going to just get straight into this one. It needs no introduction, so you know what to do. Pour yourself a cup of tea, stick your headphones in, and let's sit down with Loz, a doctor working in Bristol for the NHS. So Loz, how are you doing? Yeah, 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 not too bad at the moment. Um, just finished my latest run of shifts. I've got a, a few days off now, which is uh, quite nice. Relax and, uh, well, I guess not do much. <laughs> so have you been, um, have you been on the, uh, in work quite a lot this week so far? Yeah, so like they've changed our shift rotor patterns um, recently. So we're doing sort of four days on, four days off, 12-hour uh, shifts sort of thing. So yeah, so yeah, I've worked a few hours, but uh, yeah, looking forward to a break. Yeah, I can imagine so. It must be pretty intense at the moment. So one of the things I was quite interested to kind of find out for you as a, you know, a doctor tending to the needs of people that have been tested positive for COVID-19 is that, you know, how, how is this kind of affecting you and, and your life personally? Because I'm right in thinking that you and your partner are expecting your first child. Yeah, 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 we are. Um, my partner, she's due at the end of June. So uh, it's kind of, for us, it's kind of started a month or so ago, a big discussion of what we needed to do. Because there's so much that's not really known about the virus and stuff. There's still, with people who are pregnant, still recommended to be quite, to be very cautious. And on top of that, she's um, she's also got type 1 diabetes, which puts her into another sort of risk category. So, um, yeah, we, we chatted about it quite a lot, but decided because I'm in such close contact with so many people with, with yeah. the virus that she's, uh, yeah, she's moved out now and living with her mum, which is a uh, bit of a How struggle. are you feeling about that? That must be, um, must be pretty difficult from a, you know... A an expecting father to not kind of be there to be able to yeah it's not things. ideal <laughs> it's not ideal um yeah definitely feel like i'm missing out on it she's giving me uh regular photo updates of the bump so i'm, I'm seeing it seeing it grow and stuff i think that's the joys of technology today that <laughs> as much as you're not there you can be there as uh, almost as next best thing yeah yeah absolutely i'm sort of like regularly chatting on zoom and things like that so yeah, yeah. staying in touch well, with probably not an easy choice but at the same time i think you'll look back on it and think definitely did everything we should have done <laughs> yeah that's but yeah it's only temporary and that's how we're framing it in our heads it's for it's for a short period of our life and then we'll be back together yeah absolutely yeah yeah before we get into kind of your involvement with you know um supporting covid19 patients in bristol how did you kind of come into like life in the medical field? Like, how how long have you been a, a practicing uh, medical professional? Yeah, so I've been a uh, been working as a doctor for this is my fifth year working. Um, so I 
initially did my first couple of years in Liverpool and been working sort of in and around Bristol for the past three years. And so, what, yeah. what kind of drew you to Bristol then? Uh, so my partner's family live around here. Um, so we and also my family live not that far away, about an hour away. So we thought it'd just be a good focal point for us to move to. And also uh, Bristol's just a really great city, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I moved here, so yeah, definitely. Don't I moved up here there. about eleven years ago, and uh, yeah, absolutely love the city. Very vibrant. Um, I think there's you know people from all walks of life definitely do a multitude of things in the city as well. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot going on, isn't there? Well, yeah, <laughs> well, not <laughs> yeah, a lot going on, but not right now. <laughs> oh, I've gone through to the same park. I've been walking the dog for the last three weeks. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting to know some of the parks a bit better. But... Do you know what? I've um, I've been walking my dog um around the park near where I live, and yeah. kind of been going a bit further and a bit further. And and there's a walk. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Bees's Tea Garden. And on the opposite side of that is a really long um, bike track. And I've been going up into the woods with uh, my dog. And I've just found like old ruined buildings, like just in the middle of the woods, which I just would have never knew there. (laughs) Yeah. You know, uh, at least I know if a pandemic goes to code red, I can go and set up camp down there. (laughs) (laughs) So um, how did you... Obviously, you know you were you were going about your, you know your 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 day to day job. Um, how did you end up sort of, I suppose, focusing on the COVID nineteen patients in Bristol? So I'm still doing sort of rotations around different specialties and things. So I was on um, renal medicine, so kidneys, um, and we were starting to get a few patients coming in because the nature of them they are tend to be a bit more frail, so they get them well. So we did get quite a few COVID patients on the ward just as a because that happened to be my rotation. And then um, when it really started gearing up and we were sort of anticipating the worst sort of thing, uh, we they um, the hospital sort of changed everyone's rotor patterns. So that everyone covered the COVID or everyone was sort of moving around and covering the COVID wards in particular. And then last week I was doing sort of a set of night shifts when sort of I was the doctor responsible for the, the main COVID wards. Um, right. It was just sort of chance, I guess, really. So what's the capacity limit like at the hospital you're in at the moment? Because obviously, you know, general public are hearing stories that, you know, we're overflowing, pop-up hospitals are being made left, right and centre. Um, yeah, is it, that, is it that dire in Bristol? So fortunately, no, it hasn't been. We were that's what we were sort of prepping ourselves for. We were getting ready for sort of anticipating the worst sort of thing, sort of cancelling all um sort of elective or like uh, all non-essential, non-urgent operations and the clinic appointments, and expecting us to have this massive surge that that you heard of in Italy, um, but. F- Luckily, we haven't had uh, anything quite that bad. And they did have opened a, a Nightingale hospital in Bristol, expecting that as they might need that as well, but hasn't been, fortunately hasn't been needed yet. Um, so the hospital actually hasn't reached anywhere near the, the sort of the limit, the capacity that, it, that it, it can do. And so the intensive care unit hasn't been overburdened, which is, yeah, I don't know. It's 
I think it definitely goes to show that the social distancing measures have worked really well. Yeah. And, like, preventing <laughs> it getting If you just think back like a month ago and like hearing the horror stories coming out of Italy and how much they were struggling, that was sort of quite a terrifying thought back then. So um, in terms of um, the patients um, that have, you know, got COVID-19, how do you feel like they're able to, you're able to kind of support them in, in terms of what they need? Because obviously we know there's no, you know, cure. Yeah. So, I, think, I think that's, yeah, I think that's one of the sort of hardest things about looking after these patients with a lot of things we do have treatments. We've got things that we can manage stuff with, but with this, because it's so new and everything, obviously the trials are still going, but we haven't got anything that's proven to help. So there's, really not with the patients on the wards there's really not a huge amount we can do yeah. apart from give them this just give them the oxygen give them the support and keep a very close eye on them and just wait for their body to fight it really um yeah it's definitely it's hard to it's hard to see you feel quite helpless definitely um at times and then the other sort of really hard thing about this with these patients and with the patients in hospital at the moment is that because of worry about spreading it round we're not there's very limited um con people patients have very limited contact with their loved ones so we're not really we're trying to minimize we're not really having any visitors unless it's absolute unless someone's sort of very critical and even then it's only for a very limited amount of time so it's really hard these people are sort of very very unwell can't they feel isolated and distanced from their loved ones and the loved ones are completely separated from them so it's really hard to it's really hard to sort of deal with that side of things as well yeah i can i yeah it's, it's got to be so difficult for you know one you know if you are that individual that's um so unwell not to see your loved ones um, but also yeah. on the other side to not be able to go in and see them and talk to them and you know, tell them you love yeah. them is uh yeah that's 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 got to be a bit of a mindfuck. Yeah, no, it's tough. Although we try and give them a get them a phone or something so they can call them, but definitely some quite a few of the patients are sort of too unwell to chat on the phone and things like that because of the because of the infection. So it is yeah, it's it's pretty horrible. Are you seeing a, um, a lot of people on ventilators at the moment or is that just something that is only right for a certain group of people? Yeah, so I mean, we, we fortunately we haven't, we still have a lot of capacity in the intensive care unit, so there are still lots of ventilators available. So people who need the ventilators are getting them. Yeah. Um, so it's not a question of like having enough of the ventilators. They are they are there for people who need it, definitely. Obviously, you were preparing for you know to cancel non-essential treatment. With all this going on, are people still getting that kind of treatment that's classed as non-essential now that we're kind of seeing that Bristol certainly isn't being impacted as much right now? Yeah. Uh, so I don't think they've restarted a lot of it. Um, it's still it's still all the emergency and all the urgent only the urgent work that's getting done and I think now that we, we do seem to be sort of over the peak of it on over the initial peak of it at least that they're going to 
that I think they will start thinking about opening up those services again because yeah. obviously it's really important isn't it like talk about the the number of people uh getting really unwell with coronavirus but people still getting all the other illnesses and all the other diseases that need to be looked after need to be treated as well don't they so it's like I don't know yeah. it's a really hard balance to to play out and you mentioned when we um when we spoke the other week um that there's been a a, you know there's been a decrease in people with things like uh you know heart attack um and and other um things yeah and concerned that people are staying at home and kind of trying to weather it through themselves and it's quite interesting because after we had that conversation um i started seeing adverts on tv of, of you know from from the nhs saying you know we're still open for business please do not stay at home if you're if you're not well yeah yeah absolutely it is really worrying like the number of people coming with heart, t- heart attacks and things that were halved and you can't just decide not to have a heart attack or whatever it's still going to be happening it's just i don't know whether it's people don't want to be a burden or something or are just afraid to come in because they're worried about getting coronavirus but yeah we've seen a massive decrease in it which is yeah worrying because i think although the hospital's no near capacity at the moment give it a month or so and we'll start seeing a lot of people with other, with the sort of the complications and problems from not having that yeah. health that treatment then so i think there's still a lot of uh there's still a lot to come yeah no absolutely right and not to mention you know the, the mental health repercussions of this afterwards as well yeah but, um, yeah i was absolutely. talking to um somebody the other day and they were saying you know even when you think about like children that are at a certain age where they're developing social skills and mm-hmm. could be potentially missing out on you know well who knows how long of that kind of uh social engagement with other children and how that might impact them later in life yeah 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 i mean it's a completely unknown situation we're in isn't it so like there's gonna be so many impacts that people won't really have realized or really thought of because of the lockdown and you hear about sort of domestic abuse rates going up and stuff like that i know i know it's um it's it's yeah it's uh you think it's difficult because you've got to stay at home um on your days off and then like i I kind of sit back and actually think about things and think yeah i'm uh i'm definitely i'm not even fortunate i'm definitely one of the you know extremely lucky ones yeah no absolutely i feel the same as well because at least i've got a job to go into and so you get the social aspect of that don't you so going and seeing people getting to people and things so yeah no I I count myself as quite lucky to be honest now I know you can't talk in you know much detail um about kind of specific you know you know daily scenarios that come up you know at the hospital and with patients um and I'm just really thankful that you know you wanted to come on and, and we can help educate people because well Amelie the general public i'm getting the just that are just confused of what's going on you know we've got one leader who if it wasn't for this pandemic would still be plowing on through with brexit and we've got oh, another yeah. leader in the us who thinks everybody should just be doing shots of bleach um <laughs> so um I, you know just really you know appreciate you kind of coming in and, and sharing your your thoughts and um you know, a bit of an update on how you're seeing things on the front line in in terms of you know the general feeling amongst you know your peers and, and you know those you, you're working with what, what's the general kind of feeling w- with them as in like how this whole thing's been managed which just yeah how it's been managed how you know you're 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 keeping you know 
uh, mentally in the game? Are you feeling kind of hopeful? Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think everyone was worried that it'd been here, it'd be a lot worse and we'd, we'd be put under a lot more strain than we have. Um, I think everyone was expecting a really sort of terrible, terrible situation where we'd have been overrun with um, coronavirus patients. So I think everyone's really relieved about that. Um, at the same time, I think everyone's worried that because we haven't had that yet, that once the lockdown measures start getting relaxed and things, then we're going to see sort of much more of a peak. Mm. Because we haven't had the number of cases, we won't have that sort of immunity in the community to sort of prevent further outbreaks and things like that. So I think immunity in the community, that is a tagline. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure where that came from. Herd immunity, I think that's the, that's the problem. I think that's NHS's new rap album. <laughs> <laughs> And I think you're right, because when I listen to, you know, hmm? when I read what people are saying online, I listen to, you know, some some people I speak to on a daily basis. A lot of people yeah. seem to think that when the government says, right, we're going to lift some of the restrictions, you know, you can start doing this and this and that. In people's yeah. minds, they're hearing, oh, I can go out. I'm not going to get it. It's safe to go out. Happy days. Um, mm. But in reality, what that what the government is really saying, and, and my interpretation of it is, it's you know it's, it's still a pandemic we're lifting yeah. some of the restrictions to make life a bit easier but mm. the nhs is a bit more prepared for it and yeah i think it's that those those are two very different things and i think the general public are only going to hear the first thing yeah i yeah I, I kind of agree with you hopefully it's i guess it is it's like it's really important how the government goes about it and how they start relaxing the measures because, I mean, you can't just, if you open the pubs and things straight away, then it's just going to be absolute mayhem. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I guess it needs to be done in a, they need to do it in a very controlled way and maybe really clear about what they need to do and hopefully people will adhere to it. Um, because people seem to have been doing that quite, really quite well, to be fair, so far with social distancing and everything. The impression I get from going around and stuff. Yeah. Is, everyone's done a fantastic job which is I've got to say a massive thank you to everybody for that really because it definitely has made a huge huge difference to to what's been going on here yeah I, I think you're right um I, I definitely see a lot around in my community of people you know really responding well to social distancing um, obviously it's it's much easier to up, you know keep social distancing in play when you're out and about um obviously it's it's funny because it's harder when you're at home because you want your friends to come over um and and see your family and you know hug your relatives you know even the various you know parks i walk through with a dog like just people aren't sat around hanging out in groups yeah 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 as you say that i guess that's the worry when the message now is that we're sort of over the peak and so people Mm. will probably start pushing it a little bit more i guess yeah why why we're worried about seeing another sort of spike yeah i don't know what you think but um i have the impression that you know certainly supermarkets will probably maintain that um queuing system and keeping a distance for many months to come and i'd be very surprised if pubs and restaurants open Oh yeah, Absolutely. easily. You know, I would be surprised if they stay don't stay closed for the next three to four months. 
Um, yeah, 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 definitely. You know, we're, we're seeing it in places like Germany where they've kind of lifted and, and done all that and already they're turning around going, ah, our second peak yeah. is already starting to show up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's going to be many months, like it's probably going to be a year or so until like things get anywhere near back to normal. But I guess that's part of it. No one's lived through this before, so no one really, no one knows. No, <laughs> like I no. To some, I talked to some of the consultants in the hospital, some of the specialists, and they're just like, no, they they say no one really knows what's going to happen. No, because it is it is all such an unknown. No, yeah, I completely agree. I I actually think that given like all the technology that we have at our fingertips now, um, mm. and after any major incident um, during you know the previous you know, hundreds of years after wars and famine and plagues, there's always been a massive leap forward in innovation, and oh, yeah. I am. Um, I think you know we're seeing different companies and different businesses and different independent traders really pivot and be able to you know continue business while still providing service to their customers. And I really think that this will either go two ways. I think people are either still maintaining you know their lack of being disconnected from different devices and stuff, but I also think this will be the the era we look back on, which really sparks that people's uh, enjoyment from really submersing into technology um mm. really getting our you know because we're not getting our dopamine hits from social engagement um yes. we're getting it from online engagement um it might be that there's going to be a certain group of people after this that come back to reality and think oh, actually no i'm much more i much more enjoyed it when it was on the screen <laughs> become more recl- reclusive yeah reclusive. and those will be the people that survive all this <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's interesting so, what you say about the innovation and everything getting picking up after this. Well, you think about it, and like even how like Dyson and uh, Tesla pivoted to start um, producing ventilators. Yeah, like, yeah, they weren't doing that, and so it just shows you how quickly companies can pivot to support a need. Um, yeah. And yeah. where so it's um yeah, and I'm, I'm sure that you know the scientific community around the world. You know, the information that they're probably sharing is uh, yeah much more, much more further along than what you know you and I are privy to. But it, um, yeah. I definitely think there's going to be you know some serious leaps forward with uh, various different technological yeah. advancements. Yeah, well, you do hear about the way they've um, started researching about the virus and stuff, and this, even now, even this soon, they're starting to talk about a vaccine that is a poss- possibly viable, which is ridiculously fast when you think about ones that have been produced in the past and stuff. Yeah. And just the, the collaboration is pretty incredible. Um, just the way they've started uh, research trials and things like that, and cross covering like many, many hospitals and stuff. It is, uh, yeah, it's incredible what, what we can do really when, when we're pushed. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was listening to a doctor in um, Australia a couple of weeks ago and he was saying like the typical time to like develop, like uh, I think it was a vaccine for uh, a virus in the past. It was yeah. something like 22 years it took them to finally develop it. And they said mm-hmm. in, the, in the eight weeks that they've been trying to develop a um, cure for um, this coronavirus, COVID-19, um, they in eight weeks they've had two and a half years worth of progress and it's like my god <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
yeah. If only they could uh, focus that towards male pattern boldness, and I'd be much happier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, in terms of looking at lifting restrictions and so on, um, mm-hmm. are you pretty nervous that government is going to feel a bit more pressured to, towards trying to appease the general public, um, or do you think we're probably going to be in this for a bit longer? Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? It's it's that balance between the economy and the and people's health, isn't it? And I guess with a conservative government, you always kind of assume that they might lean one way. Um, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I think they are taking it very seriously. And like from my standpoint, it's I'm like a healthcare professional. That's kind of what I do. I don't have any businesses. I, like, I'm not involved in um, any businesses or anything commercial. So it's very easy for me to say oh yeah absolutely lockdown let's push ahead with that because that's what's working but then I don't appreciate you know the people's businesses coming getting decimated and things um yeah it's it's easy for me to say let's just continue with lockdown but people going through all sorts and what we were mentioning earlier about the mental health side of things and like the domestic abuse rates and stuff like that it's having a lot of repercussions so yeah you don't want to leave it leave lockdown stringent for for too long you want to definitely relax it but whether uh, i think it's a mix isn't it it's like it's it's relaxing it but at the same time really ensuring that the general public are educated to understand like it's being relaxed but that doesn't mean you can go gallivanting and you know sticking your tongue in everybody's mouth that you come across (laughs) um and uh, and i think that is something that really needs to be hit home and ultimately Mm. those that are, do get affected from it because they're not social distancing because they're go, pushing the the limits of the, the lockdown restrictions um mm. the ones that are gonna are gonna be affected and, and the bright sparks that that don't do that will be all right <laughs> yeah you mentioned earlier about the sound of social distancing and, and obviously wanted to thank people um for kind of making an effort to really you know, distance themselves um it's interesting. I don't really like the term social distancing because we, we are still, you know, able to socialise. You and I are having a conversation now. Yeah. Two weeks ago, we didn't even know each other existed. Um, <laughs> and I, I much prefer the term physical distancing. Um, yeah. I think that's a bit more apt. Um, yeah. But you're, you're, but, but you're really seeing you, and the feeling that the, the social slash physical distancing that's in place is making a difference then. Yeah, definitely. I think it massively has. Um, like, it, yeah, as I said, like in Bristol, we haven't seen the, the number of cases that we thought. I mean, London, in UK, London was hit fairly hard, but it still didn't get anywhere near the sort of the, the capacity that it had. Um, it yeah. didn't get as bad as Italy. So it's, it definitely feels like it has. And then for Bristol, the measures probably came in at about the right time because mm. of how... How flat, how how much the peak's been flattened here. So yeah, no, absolutely. I think it has made it has helped a great deal, and I've got to thank everybody out there to for sticking with it and doing what what needs to be done. And how does it make you feel to see everybody, what to see and hear everybody clapping and banging their pots and pans at eight o'clock every Thursday? That's, yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? Um, but it's just, it's, yeah, it made, made me really quite emotional in the first few, few times that happened. It's really heartwarming. Um, like, I wouldn't have thought 
who, who would have thought that sort of a year ago or so that everyone in the country would be on their doorstep clapping together yeah is yeah incredible show of like solidarity isn't it but yeah no, it's, it's beautiful to see well ultimately you and you know all the other nhs professionals and those that are supporting those in in these difficult circumstances and other emergency service responders are um are, are, are in this instance are our modern day you know soldiers on the front line protecting <laughs> us doing what needs to be done doing what a lot of us can't do um i'm sure you will but you really feel that you 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 amazing not just a big difference to your community but to society moving forward i had a couple questions um I, so i put a thing up on um the getting it done podcast uh, instagram and put out some you know what do you want to know from you know tomorrow sit down with with yourself oh did you uh, yeah yeah so um i had a couple <laughs> questions come through yeah um, um so one of my friends asked what's the uh, most unusual thing you found inside somebody but we'll um, we'll breeze past that one <laughs> <laughs> um so um dicky who um uh, obviously put yeah. me on to you uh, and yeah. I'm, I'm needing him quite badly at the moment i think you you saw the state of my hair just oh i, I think your uh, mop looks awesome <laughs> and then again i didn't see you before so you might have looked really uh you know you know buzz cut and trim so um and also dickie's probably listening to this and thinking don't tell him that i need him i need the money to cut his hair <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um so well dickie of, of dickie's barbershop asks is it true that your favorite pastry is an almond croissant Ooh, um yeah i think i'd have to say yes that is a good i mean it is a fine fine pastry <laughs> so um i've got a friend uh, uh, here so elliot's um written and said what precautions are you taking to not get the virus um so in so obviously just the social uh distancing as everyone else is out of work and then in work making sure that when we see the people we have the the right ppe stuff on so having the the masks, the gloves, the aprons, whenever we see people washing hands many, many times a day, my hands are absolutely raw <laughs> from the number of times I'm washing them at the moment. Um, but yeah, just trying it as best I can as to just follow those, the just wearing that, P, wearing the PPE whilst I'm in work. And uh, yeah, basically. It's difficult, isn't it? Because like you go to, I find going to the shop and I wear a mask and gloves and mm. I'm pretty much the only one that's doing it most of the time. Well, certainly wearing a mask. Um, you might yeah. see one or two other people in there. Um, but when you get home, you're like, well, I used to, you know, take my gloves off, turn it down. I'm like, right, well, all of these items I've just bought back from the supermarket have been touched yeah. individuals. Um, so I'm like, do I now spend another half an hour bleaching down my avocados? <laughs> it's yeah it's yeah it's, it's hard how far you go with it isn't it i sort of i too when i get home like rinse the veg underwater but what's that what's that really going to do yeah no it's not i think it's uh mentally makes you feel a bit yeah, better yeah, yeah, and also like, if you wake up the next day with a cough you can you, you're not gonna go oh my god i didn't wash my veg you're like no it's okay i soaked my sprouts and i've not got COVID 19 <laughs> <laughs> um so emma's um written and said um are there any symptoms that stand out as ones that we're not hearing about 
Um, so, I mean, the vast majority of people have the fever and cough, as everyone says. I think the loss of the sense of smell is also quite a big one. So, yeah. what, one that people, what's loss of taste and smell is one that people talk about. And I think feeling just really knackered as well is another symptom. And um, obviously, if it gets severe and you're feeling breathless, that's a... Uh, that's probably, that's a sign you need to go to hospital really but fortunately i think a lot of people do seem to be pretty asymptomatic or have no symptoms with it or very yeah. few symptoms and that's one of the i mean that's one of the reasons it's become such a big thing is because a lot of people have it and carrying it about and don't aren't really even aware of it and yeah. um, yeah. diarrhea as well we've seen quite a few people with diarrhea and yeah. um, with the virus all in all, not uh, enjoyable symptoms. No. Um, no, no. Um, I've had two people write in um, to say, what are you doing uh, for your own mental well-being? Um, so I've started uh, doing a lot of yoga. I've, quite, I've gotten into that. I bought myself a yoga mat and uh, <laughs> trying to do sort of a, a daily yoga session, which I, I was quite sceptical of it at the start, but I'm really enjoying it. I'm finding that really, um, yeah, beneficial. I'm enjoying that quite a lot. Uh, going on runs, I've started doing going on runs again and um, baking bread. I've got, got, got my sourdough culture, as I think a lot of people have, judging by the how <laughs> there is out there. <laughs> I'm running very low at the moment. Um, I have not baked any bread at all this year, and I'm kind of I'm trying to get through the trying to get through the whole thing and not bake any bread. Really? <laughs> Have you picked up any new um, hobbies or anything like that? Um, procrastinating probably is one of them. Have you had time to do with work and everything? <laughs> yeah, no, work's been great because I, um, you know, the day job is going very well. Um, we're fortunate that, you know, we're a tech company that actually people being online and being connected mm-hmm. and so on is um part of what we're you know what we're about and where our services come into play um yeah. so we've not really been too impacted on that side you know i think we will i'm very very positive that we'll weather the storm and and all of what i'm doing at the moment is around uh, engaging and trying to create things for our employees that keep them connected and, and so on so uh yeah it's um it's a it's certainly a good time to to be in um, my job mm-hmm. and i suppose um anything else really is is just being kind of continuously getting outside as much as i can walking the dog um he's yeah. loving it he has separation anxiety anyway so like spending all this time with me is just like a dream. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. but yeah we've been enjoying some good walks and been trying yeah. to teach him a few new tricks yeah it has in a weird way brought me closer to friends as well. I think because everyone's at home doing nothing or not doing or a lot of people not doing a great deal, then people are there my WhatsApps are a lot busier than normal. And we're having a lot more like chats and having like a weekly poker session and a weekly uh pub oh, that's cool. So it's all yeah, I think that all definitely helps a, a huge amount as well to unwind. Just still feel like keep some sort of normality isn't it yeah yeah and, and this is what i mean about like people connecting virtually like i yeah. really hope that in 12 months time we are not just going oh well let's just have the poker session over the app that we're doing it on shall we 
as opposed mm-hmm. to getting together around a table and trying to bluff mm-hmm. each other out. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of, you know, what's next for you then, um, once we've got past, you know, where we are now and, and you know, obviously I know for, for, for you and your colleagues and others, this is going to be prevalent for a while. What's kind of next for you in terms of your medical career? Is there any kind of path that you're wanting to take? Yeah, so I mean, I'm currently, what I said earlier, sort of rotating around different um, specialties. And then this is the last year of me doing that. So if actually, I'm on a sort of training program that finishes in August, or at the end of July, beginning of August. And then, um, so then I finish my training program, then I need to choose what I want to specialise in, what I want to go into particularly. And um, I haven't as yet, well, percent decided because of uh, my partner expecting I was going to take a bit of time just the two of us to spend uh, well raising a kid and well, for a few months anyway and I mean we did have grand plans about going abroad and hiring a camper van and traveling around to, uh, Canada or New Zealand or something but I think that that's looking less and less likely um, but so that was what I originally wanted to do for the next sort of year but then after that, I'm thinking about uh, specialising in elderly care medicine. So the elderly care medicine? Yeah, elderly care medicine. Yeah. Okay. What is it about that that kind of interests you? Uh, there's quite a few things. I mean, they there's the, from just purely the medical side of it, because people when they're older, they, see, they generally have more health problems. They sort of accumulate more health problems. So it's quite interesting, the actual technical side of it, because there's so many different things going on. There's a lot of, um, you've got to think about so many different areas and think about what's, what you need to do. Uh, and just taking that sort of, sort of, we call it the sort of holistic approach, so not just talking, thinking about them as from a purely medical point of view, yeah. but thinking about sort of their quality of life and function and what's, what is the, what do they want and what is the best, what you, what may be the best thing for them, considering they're they're a bit older, a bit frailer, but you want to keep them keep their independence and keep their quality of life as high as possible. Yeah, yeah, no, so I know. I, you know, look, I just um, again, you know, really want to say thank you so much for to you and you know your colleagues and all of the people in the uh, you know nurses and doctors and reporters and everybody else who's you know, in the NHS that's um, you know really going you know above and beyond and doing what many of us potentially can um or wouldn't be able to do um i know that there is um a huge amount of appreciation for what you're doing so uh, and thank you for coming on this podcast and this is your day off and you know, i'm sure you've got a million and one things to do inside the the four walls of your home <laughs> um, but it's just been great to chat with you, find out a bit about, you know, what's what's going on from the horse's mouth, really, in terms of, the you know, the social distancing that um, the majority of us are subscribing to is making an, an impact. And I think so long as we can keep that up, um, I think we will um, continue to uh, get through this together and hopefully be out the other end. Not too soon, but soon enough. Yeah, well, thank you very much for having me. And, um, yeah, I just want to say thank you to everybody for doing their bit really i mean you've got all the people all the nhs works and stuff but also you've got the uh, well bus drivers the people working in supermarkets who are still doing going about their daily job 
and everybody working in care homes and things who are doing a fantastic, fantastic job. Um, it's bonkers, isn't it, to think that when somebody th- somebody looks back and says there's going to be an invisible enemy that mm. could potentially attack any one of us at any time, and the people we're going to need to rely on are supermarket staff, and they're going to be on the front line. Yeah, and it's like yeah. it's just yeah. If someone was to yeah. say that to you twelve months ago, as we've mentioned, you'd think, what on earth are you talking about? Yeah, absolutely, and like yeah. yeah. But all the focus is definitely is on the NHS, but there's so many people who are doing their bit and doing that. Yeah. Amazing yeah. thing. Um, Last question. Yeah. yeah. What are you um what's the one thing you're gonna do or, or place you're gonna go um once life is inverted commas back to normal? Mm-hmm. Oh, I was thinking about this earlier. Uh going to a music festival with my partner and some friends would be yeah. very high up on my list. That would be absolutely fantastic. Yeah, sunshine, live music. Yeah, beer, street food. You love. It'd be absolutely ideal. Oh. I feel yeah. like that's something we off, but yeah. If it wasn't <laughs> so early in the morning, I would have got a, uh, a beer out the fridge and gone and sat in the sun. I yeah. look forward to that in my uh, quarantine lockdown Friday beer. Yeah. <laughs> well, Loz, thank you so much. Um, and continuing up the amazing work. Um, I hope we can keep in touch. Um, and once this is all over, um, I will take you for a beer in the sunshine. I look forward to it. Cheers, man. All right, take care. Thank you.